In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to try a little mental exercise. And don't worry, it's not that difficult. You might want to close your eyes to help you concentrate. Thinking back as far as you can, do you remember how you became a Christian? Did you become a Christian when you were somehow born into the right family, in the right neighborhood, or on the right side of the tracks? Did you find yourself somehow walking through the woods or along the beach one day and all of a sudden became a Christian? I would venture to say that if we really thought about that, both of those answers would be no. Because unlike other religions where you might inherit a particular birthright or come to achieve some complete understanding of your faith by meditating under a tree all by yourself, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, someone had to tell you about Jesus. We're not born with some instinctual knowledge of Jesus Christ's ministry, his death and resurrection. There is no way we can know who Jesus was or what Jesus did simply by escaping somewhere by ourselves. Sure, we might know that there is a God. We might see and feel God moving through us and working around us. But there's no way we can just know about Jesus. Someone, sometime, somehow, told all of us here this morning who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and why all of those things matter to us today. It might have occurred at our baptism, maybe without us even knowing it. In baptism, we became full members of Christ's body, the church. Even if you're a baby, with all rights and privileges that there are. But does that mean that just because we're baptized as a baby or even as an adult, that we're automatically followers of Christ? In our church's theology, infant baptism is okay. Actually, it's great. Because at baptism, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to that person right then. And the parents and the sponsors commit themselves to teach and to guide the person who is baptized into the way of Christ and how to follow Christ. Now, it can be one thing to tell someone in your family or someone that you know about Jesus Christ. But what about all the people outside those doors who don't know about Jesus? Or who might have been told somewhere along the way that Jesus may not love them? This is how Christianity, this is how the church, the universal Catholic church began, how it continued and how it grows because of what we like to call, but don't like to hear all that often, evangelism. Uh, evangelism, 
That's a word in the Episcopal Church which kind of makes us shudder a little bit. And I grew up in the Episcopal Church. I get it. We like our church a certain way. And unfortunately, that word evangelism and evangelical has taken on a different kind of meaning in our country. But we are also called, as followers of Christ, just like our evangelical brothers and sisters, to go out into the world and to proclaim the good news. The gospel is the good news, after all, and news is meant to be broadcast and to be told to the public. This morning, we hear Jesus preparing his disciples for what is about to happen. Jesus is soon going to be crucified and will not be with them for much longer. Can you imagine what the disciples must have been feeling at that moment? The person they had spent the last three years of their life with, every second of every day, going throughout the country, watching him perform miracles, watching him show and tell people about the kingdom of God, all of a sudden it's going to be gone. And it'll be up to them to keep that flame alive and to keep doing that same ministry in the world. I imagine they were scared out of their wits. Now, when I was in high school, one of my dreams was to learn how to fly. And I was extremely fortunate to have parents that recognized and that nurtured that dream. I started taking lessons and had a wonderful instructor. And I watched and I learned everything that she taught me. But lurking in the back of my head, I knew that one day she was going to shake my hand, open the door, and get out of that plane. And I'd be left all by myself to fly. It was more than a little nerve-wracking. But when that day came, that 16-year-old kid flew a plane. You know what? I wasn't nervous because I trusted and I had faith in my instructor. I knew that she had told me the things that I needed to know, that I had done them over and over and over again. So even though she wasn't there, she was there with me. Jesus tells his disciples that when he is gone, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, will come in his place and will be with the disciples as they continue to go out into the world, spreading that good news. That same Holy Spirit, that same advocate and guide, continues to be alive and active in the church even today. Sometimes we don't really focus on the Holy Spirit that much, do we? I guess maybe because it could be easier to relate to the Father or the Son, something more relational. Now, sure, the Holy Spirit comes around at Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes the focus at something like a Curcio weekend. And during these times, the Holy Spirit is invoked, is invited to empower us, to guide us through our individual lives and ministries, to give us those right words and right actions so that everyone we meet, everyone we come across, can know Jesus Christ through us. One of the most 
tangible moments when I've experienced the Holy Spirit's presence, when the Holy Spirit can literally be felt in a church, is during an ordination service. In that time when the church has recognized an individual's call to a unique ministry in the life of the church, either as a deacon, a priest, or a bishop. And right before the bishop lays their hands on the person, we sing this specific hymn. It's a prayer, actually. And this hymn dates back to the ninth century called the Vini Creator Spiritus, Come Holy Spirit. At the end of this hymn, this prayer, it's a long period of silence. The air becomes electrified with God's presence. And then the bishop lays their hands on the individual and asks God to make them a priest or a deacon or a bishop. And I want to share this prayer with you this morning because it's applicable to each and every one of us, lay or ordained, as we're all ministers of Christ's body. And it is all our callings to go forth from this building and proclaim that good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Let us pray. Come, Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, enlighten with celestial fire. Thou, the anointing spirit art, who dost thy sevenfold gifts impart. Thy blessed unction from above is comfort, life, and fire of love. Enable with perpetual light the dullness of our blinded sight. Anoint and cheer our soiled face with the abundance of thy grace. Keep far our foes, give peace at home. Where thou art guide, no ill can come. Teach us to know the Father, Son, and thee of both to be but one, that through the ages all along, this may be our endless song. Praise to thy eternal merit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.